You and your brothers and sisters have been worried about your mom and dad living alone. Of course your parents want to stay in their home, but dad's been falling and still insists on taking care of the garden. You just know something's going to happen to dad. But did you ever consider what if something happened to mom? The strong one, the one who's been taking care of your dad. I'm your host, Valerie Lynn, and this week, we're welcoming back Leslie Fuller to share her family's story. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living, a podcast for sons, daughters, grandkids, and spouses who suddenly find themselves tangled in the search for senior living and care. If you like today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and check out our doable download in today's show notes for a printable summary of the show and a bonus tip from our guest. You're listening to our doable tips, short answers to your questions. Don't see your question listed? Send us a note. Then don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an answer. We've had so many families on the show and other families have commented how much it helped them to not feel alone in their journey. And so I'm just excited to have you. So where would you like to start? Well, let's see. Okay, so, you know, I helped in my first job, I helped hundreds of people move into my old community. So I saw everything from that perspective of, and I wasn't a salesperson, I was the director of resident services. So once they moved in, it was my job to help them acclimate, to help orient them, to make that, oh my God, we've moved, (laughs) you know, to shorten (laughs) that span and try to help them to get as comfortable as they could as quickly as they could with things. Loved my job, best job ever. So fast forward 10 years, my in-laws who still live in that same town had, we probably about a year before this all started, the whole family was like, oh, we really wish mom and dad would move. You know, we wish they would move into an independent living. These are my in-laws. My father-in-law loved to garden. And he had a huge, massive garden with lots of tripping hazards and and just all sorts of stuff in the backyard. And he was starting to have falls in the back. You know, his, he'd had some health issues. And so he was getting weaker and he started having the falls and luckily never had any that caused severe harm to him. The neighbors would hear him call. They had great neighbors help pick him up. But they're, you know, they're in their late 80s at this point. And so... I had had a conversation with my mother-in-law who really was kind of looked after my father-in-law. She was the stronger of the two and she ran the house, which she kind of had for years. And I asked her one day in a walk and I said, so have you ever thought about maybe what it might be like if you moved, you know, to, to a place where there was more support? And she's like, well, you know, I, I maybe someday if something happens with your dad, but I just, I, that'd be too hard on him. I couldn't do that. Mm. We're like, okay, but we would drop hints and they knew what I did for a living. Right. So you, you can only do so much. And, and I never want, I never wanted them to feel like we were pushing, but of course the kids, you know, we're all talking the backgrounds. So a year later, fast forward, it was early July and they, they live on a house with a sloped yard and no sprinkler system. So they're always having to move the the hose around. And my mother-in-law is getting ready to leave to go somewhere before she leaves. She's going to go move the sprinkler because it had tipped over. She steps on the wet. It flips over. She falls down. Oh, she breaks no. her leg. Oh, no. 
the stronger of the two. And this is something we all, I, I hope everybody listening thinks about this. What if something happens to the one who is the caregiver? You have to start preparing for that. Yes. So anyway, she gets rushed off to the hospital. My father-in-law's, you know, a little caught off guard. I think my brother-in-law came over to the house, but I got the call in Las Vegas. Tell my husband, I said, look, because I quit my job, remember? <laughs> so I said, you stay here, work, I'll go help. It's what I do. So I flew out here. She had to have the surgery, went through, had to go to the rehab center and all of this, right? But my father-in-law was not prepared or able to live independently at home. He he just needed support, but he just he just couldn't himself. What were some of the things he needed support with? She was really his guide for taking his medications. Um, she did all the pillbox planning, you know, doled him out as, and she handled all the meals. She did all the grocery shopping. She did all the errands. So she, she managed all that. And, and he needed the emotional support too. His, his wife is in the rehab and he was not the best of driving drivers at that time. He was still driving, but this was a new place. You know, it, it just, it was just going to be too much. So I stayed with them for four weeks. But in my very first week out there, I told my husband, I said, my goal is going to be to get them to start thinking about why independent living would be a benefit for them. I can't make that decision for them, but I really want to introduce that. So fast forward, she's in the rehab. I think it was day three that I'm there. And I was talking to my father-in-law about, you know, I said, do you mind if I, if I'm honest with you? And he says, what? And I said, you know, I just think independent living would be such a benefit. And he says, oh, we couldn't afford that. I said, oh, really? And he had no concept of what his house was worth in the market, right? Right. We started talking about that. And I said, you get there, mom wouldn't have to grocery shop anymore. You know, all of these different things. And he's like, well, I'd burn this place down tomorrow and move in. Why can't we? Wow. I said, I said, said, dad, mom told me that you wouldn't want to. So she didn't. And he looks at me, he says, seriously, I said, should we talk to her tomorrow? And I went in there day four, had a conversation with her and she was frustrated with something. And she said, when I get home, I just want to be, I don't want to have to do anything. And I said, well, let me tell you about a conversation I had with dad last night. And (laughs) Literally at the end of that conversation, she says, can we start looking now? And two days later, dad and I did the tours because she couldn't get out to do the tours, but we narrowed it down based on what location was preferable. And I didn't push just for the place where I worked before. I I wanted this to be their decision, but we went to one place And then I debriefed with him when we left. I didn't try to say, hey, dad, this is great or this isn't great. I just said, dad, tell me what you felt when you were in there. And we walked through what made you feel good? What were things that maybe didn't make you? What were your thoughts? And then we went to the second place, which was where I used to work. And as we're going through there, he says, this is the one I want. And so we took all the information back to the rehab. We showed it to my mother-in-law. And they said, let's do it. And we got a contract signed the next day. And it was amazing. And they felt like they were in charge. The book that I'm, I'm writing is called It's Their Life. Because it's not my life. They have to be good with it. Yeah, I think that's so important. There are a couple of things that that I love about what you said. 
I love that you actually described your process. I imagine that there was a lot more stress before asking some of those initial questions. But but the fact that you were like, okay, we're going to start here with just giving them the idea of it mm-hmm. and then progress to actually asking the questions. And then you got you know, what their concerns were and you were able to talk about those. I absolutely love that. And I also love just the fact that you were able to give them their choice because I think one of the things that families really, really struggle with is when you have cognitive impairment involved and, and choice, you know, now it's up to the, the adult children, you know, to make that choice and they feel bad. I think some guilt about that. So I love that you were able to approach it with your in-laws at a point where they could make those decisions. I think that's really important. And I love just the way you described it. What was that? Because that's that initial, and then you get the contract and everything feels great. Did it continue to feel great? Or what were some of the challenges with the actual move? No, it did. I mean, so I utilized this the program training program that I use separately that you and I talked about. I trained staff in senior living communities, memory care communities primarily, but all the training that I teach them, I utilize those skills in helping them through this process. And it really, you know, moving is stressful regardless of who you are. There's there's no move that doesn't have stress to it. But I think all the skills that I brought to the table to use with them as far as being very respectful of them being decision makers, of them having preferences, of acknowledging that what they're going through is really hard letting them have that sad time, letting them have the frustration. It's just emotional. It's EQ, I think, um, really emotionally being there for them and with them and holding their hand emotionally and walking through it was very helpful for them. I think a lot of adult children who feel that pressure to, okay, I have to be, I have to make the decisions and maybe I've got a job I have to get back to and I'm stressed, right? But they go into it, mom, dad, you have to move you know, you, we've got to get you out of this house. Well, how are you setting up the stage for that? You're setting it up with strife to begin with. Whereas I got the same result of getting them moved, but they felt respected and they felt a part of it along the way. Instead of it being my decision, I turned it into their decision with my support. And I did all the, I mean, I did 90% of the legwork, but it was still their move. And yeah. their decision. Yeah. And I think that's, I actually just had an episode about the feeling of loss that many seniors experience when they move into senior living. And I think part of it is what you're talking about. But, you know, we always say, you know, your loved one best. And at least that's what I always say to families. And I have worked with some family members who were like, they had to have very serious conversations that were no, mom, no, dad, you can't live at home anymore. It's not safe. You have to move. And so I don't want to isolate some of our listeners that might be saying, yeah, my mom or dad would never, <laughs> like, you know, they would need me to be a little bit more in control of the situation for sure. Yeah. I do love that you were able to provide that choice for them. What was it like through the actual move? What kind of support or services, if any, did you utilize for that actual move, right? Because they had to downsize. They did. They did. And 
we had very clear discussions up front. I, you know, even before we're starting the packing, you start the dialogue of what it's going to look like when we start packing. I took, you know, their square footage in their apartment. Oh gosh, maybe let's just say it's 700 square feet. I don't remember what it was, but I said, you have a, a 16, 1800 square foot house. You're moving into a 700 square foot apartment. So if you think that we look at finding one out of three things in the house that are most important to you, look at each room. What is a a third of everything in this room? Which are the most important third of everything you see in this room? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And then let's focus on those and where those are going to fit in the apartment. Then the rest of it, let's talk about. Is it more important for you that we get this stuff to family members? Or is some of it you don't care? You want to donate it? Don't look at the items yet, but set up the bigger picture of how are we going to decide where things are going? And how did your in-laws respond to that? It worked very well. I have to say, I, I have a good relationship with them and I have the tools to come into this for the dialogue, but that's what I want to help, help people. I like the analogy of you don't create your fire exit plan when the building is on fire. You have mm-hmm. that exit plan planned at first. So these are actually good discussions to have at any point. You really have to create that plan forward and then try to execute it. Don't try to build it and execute at the same time while it's going on and you've got right. emotions yeah. and they're scared and they don't want to go. And all of a sudden they're having, you know, second thoughts. No, I don't want to do this. We did, <laughs> I did have one moment where my father-in-law said he was getting frustrated with, you know, just the decision-making and all that. And he says, I, I, just, I just don't think this is going to work. I don't think I want to go. And I said, well, dad, I've already done all the, all this other packing and I am a one pack (laughs) daughter-in-law. You don't get me twice. So unless (laughs) you want to do all this yourself. And I laughed about it. I found a way to acknowledge, okay, I'm not just going to tell you no, but I, I acknowledged what he was saying. And then I had a little bit of fun with it. And then I said, I'm here with you through this whole thing, dad. So it's just, it's going to be hard like anybody. But when you're a senior, a man, you do have different things that you're, you're losing a house that maybe you've been in for 40 years. Imagine any of us, our routine and everything we know. My life right yeah. now is thrown upside down. Yeah. But it's, it's going to be okay, but it is scary. Yeah, it's very scary. What was the reaction of the other family members that were involved? I was very pleased that I had a brother-in-law who I think understood and respected what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. And so he just kind of said, whatever I can do, let me know. And this, okay, so this is one one takeaway for everybody listening here. If you are ever helping your in-laws to move, keep a running list of the things other people can do for you. Because when Mm -hmm. somebody says that inevitable oh, I don't know what, you know, if there's anything I can do, let me know, which really isn't very helpful. Have your list ready. So you can say, you know what? I'm glad you asked. Like my husband was back in Las Vegas and he had a very highly intensive job and wasn't able to come out, which was fine. I I was able to, but there was some of the more like managerial stuff, like creating a spreadsheet just that I didn't have the time for. One great thing that he did was I had him 
do a PowerPoint, which was their new apartment layout. And then I gave him the dimensions of all the important furniture that they were going to take with them. And so he created that and sent it to me. And so I had the PowerPoint and my parent in-laws and I sat down together and we moved the furniture around, you know, we just click and drag it. Well, where do you want to put it? Does it go here? You think it goes there? And it gave them a chance to start mentally visualizing their new home, having the choice of moving, switching things around. Could I have just done that myself? Sure. I could, but why? It was, it was a part of the process is them, their mental ability to, to have still have control in it. And it gave my husband something that he knew he was being helpful for. My brother-in-law here in town handled all of the antique-ish stuff. I'm like, I don't care about that stuff. That's you. So it's just piecing out what each person can do. And even, even if it's small, give them something to do so they feel a part of it and appreciate it. I absolutely love that. That's something that other families have shared and and it's so crucial. And and also, like you were talking about, that's something you can come up with beforehand. Mm-hmm. That list. Yeah. Who's the accountant? Who's the person that likes to do space planning? Who's the yeah. who's the person who likes to bake? Like maybe you, you need some food, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so mm-hmm. I love that. And you know, going back to finding your tribe and community. Do you want that to be your doable tip? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I do. Absolutely. You know, I was going to say, I right now I'm going through a, a different family situation crisis. And I started a spreadsheet that I just started throwing on there all of the little things people have done for me that made me feel good, that gave me a smile, that just helped lift our spirits for the day. I mean, the smallest thing from somebody just bringing me a coffee when I didn't ask for it, right? The smallest thing of saying, hey, that's okay. I'll call so-and-so and let them know. Thank you. And making that long list of all the little things people do has really helped me understand that if I'm there for somebody else down the road, that I'm going to understand anything that you do for someone who's in a stressful situation is appreciated. Today's episode is brought to you by Inspired Senior Care, providing training, tools, and coaching for care communities of all sizes. Their goal is to inspire a new understanding of successful aging through interactive education, to support the creation of supportive living space for seniors, an encouraging work environment for staff, and peace of mind for families. Be inspired with Inspired Senior Care. Find more information in today's show notes. Check out this episode's doable download in show notes for details, including industry terms and definitions we discussed, as well as a bonus tip from our guest. Have questions or your own tips to share? Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, make it doable. Document, document, document. So one of the things I started early on, because they're going to have conversations with, you know, eight different places, right? You call this place, you you have to get a voice message back. You 
just, you've got to document all these places because you lose track. You're like, wait a minute. Was that the place that had the really ugly wall that we didn't want to go to? Or was it this one? Mm. Um, I really encourage that they document every conversation that you have because people forget things and it's not, you know, nobody's meaning to lie, but you have disagreements on things. So if you go through and document and clarify mm-hmm. after you have those, keep a, keep a binder going with all of those conversations in it. They're going yeah. to have, you know, all of the um, utilities, all of the banks, all of the this, keeping that list. Okay, did I finish everything I need to do with that? Really making sure that you document all of that so that you can go back because you will go back and relook at things over and over and share those notes with your loved one. Mm. Um, you know, let them know because the more they feel locked out of things and left out of things, the more strife you're going to have. Yeah. And, you know, there was a point where my mother-in-law is like, you know what? I don't, I don't really care. You do what you want. And then I was like, yes. <laughs> and then I took off. Right. Yeah. But I, I made sure that there was no strife at that point. 